Women Inseparable, where women connect through the Word of God, with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. National Fast, Episode 10 of the Prayer and Fasting Series. In the National Fast, fasting becomes a band of brothers, an army in battle, a force like no other. Here's Jacqueline. It's quiet in here this morning. Can you feel that? There's like, there's something that, I don't know if I can say there's something missing or if there's just a feel that's different. So I'm going to be real for a second, may I? We have done, after today, 10 weeks studying prayer, studying fasting. Has anybody in here in the last 10 weeks felt attacked? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have you felt in your time of prayer, as you notice your time with the Lord has gotten sweeter and deeper, that Satan has been bringing weird things before you? Fights that used to happen years ago are happening again. Behaviors from our children that we thought we conquered are back. Fights with people that you never thought you would ever have a problem with. Health issues. I take that as a yes. Girls, going into the study of prayer and fasting, I did not think twice about giving a fair warning because I didn't think twice about declaring a fair warning. But Satan has made it very, very clear he is not happy with women inseparable. He has made it exceptionally clear. And I can say and I can declare and I can stand on a mountaintop today and say Satan is trying all of his arrows. But God... God is so big. God is so faithful. He is so strong and ever present that it doesn't matter. If you're getting hit, tell us. Okay? If you're getting attacked, tell us. Don't be shocked that there's something going on. I just can't figure out. I'm working so hard in my relationship with Christ and this. What's happening? I'm telling you right now what's happening. You're growing closer to your sweet Lord Jesus, and Satan is throwing himself a little tantrum. Don't take it personal, or take it personal. You're standing with Jesus. That's a compliment. That's a compliment of the Holy Spirit in you, but that doesn't mean that you need to fight Satan alone. Is that fair? You can feel it. I felt it this morning. Everybody's kind of walking in. I feel like there's just an air of tired, of heaviness, of exhaustion on some scale. Can we put that on the table this morning? There's not much to know about Joel. So whenever you're studying a book, you want to know who wrote it, right? It starts with the author. And a lot of books in the Bible are written by or named after the the speaker. So we've got Joel. He was a prophet. We know his name was Joel. We know his dad's name was Pethuel. From there, historically speaking, biblically speaking, that's all we know about Joel. That could be the end of our discussion. There's Joel. We don't know. We know the meaning of the name Joel is Yahweh is God. In light of what Steve, if you heard what Steve preached over the weekend, in light of what he preached, Joel's message matches his name. Yahweh, Jehovah is God. That's his whole message. It's the whole point. We know when we read through the book of Joel, we see God seen throughout the book. We see the Holy Spirit seen in this book. We don't see the Holy Spirit in every book in the Old Testament. Not this clear. We see the Holy Spirit in this book. Did you see him? And we see the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, 
in this book. There's prophecies of Jesus Christ throughout the Old Testament. It's what the Old Testament is all about, isn't it? Pointing to Jesus. We see this in this tiny book. So in this one tiny book of three chapters, we see God, we see the Spirit, and we see Jesus. Three in one in this one little book. That's cool enough to end right there. Joel and his book are only referenced one other time in the whole Bible. A lot of prophets refer to one another. The New Testament refers to the Old Testament frequently, but Joel is only referenced one time. And the one time it's referenced, it's by the Apostle Peter. In the book of Acts, in chapter 2, right when the, the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples and the disciples start speaking and testifying and all the people that are around started hearing what was being testified in their own language. Do you remember the story? And everybody's like, oh, he's not speaking French. He's speaking German. No, he's not speaking German. He's speaking Spanish. And everybody was hearing what was being spoken by the Holy Spirit through these men in their own tongue and salvation flooded the souls. It is at this point that the book of Joel is mentioned, the only point. And it makes you think maybe there's something to the book of Joel, if that's the one time it's occurred, the first time the Holy Spirit speaks in the New Testament. It puts what Joel had to say, solid gold. Isn't that cool? I think that's very, very cool. That passage is Acts 2. The whole message that Peter does is verse 16 through 21, that segment of his message. That's the fulfillment of this. The verses, if you want to connect it, if you want to write, I wrote like crazy in my Bible. I have a new Bible. I bought this Bible two years ago. I've only had this Bible for two years. First time in my life since I was like a preteen that I did not have a steady Bible. I purposely went and bought a Bible that was not a steady Bible. It's the first time I've had a Bible that was not the King James Version. So I really just jumped off a cliff. And I got an ESV that was not a steady Bible. And it was a single column. So it just like kind of rocked my little world. And I've been reading this Bible for two years now. And this book, without any steady guide, is so full of scripture, it's unreal. My challenge to you is read it again, and when the Lord lays a scripture in your mind, write that scripture next to it, because there is scripture connected to this entire book. Three little chapters. It's a powerful, powerful book. The first one to note, though, is Joel 2, and verse 28 and 29. This is where we see the Holy Spirit. It says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions, even on the male and female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit. This is a prophetic message that Joel gave. Some theologians will say 500 BC before Christ. Some will say 830 before Christ. There's a theological debate. I'll let you figure out what you want to do with that. I say, it was written, it was preached, it happened, and it was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. Isn't that awesome? I like that. We got an amen out of that. Very, very cool. So that's, that's where Joel concludes. So let's look through. Let's do a little study on Joel. We're going to do a little book study. And we're going to focus, though, there's so many questions. This would be a weekend retreat the book of Joel. But we're going to focus on our topic of national fasting. 
Have you ever participated in a national fast? Has anybody ever participated in a national fast? Okay, a couple. That's good. Some of us have good experiences of national fasts. Some of us have religious experiences of a national fast. But the fact of the matter is a national fast has been happening throughout the Old Testament. You'll see it in the Old Testament. And it happened throughout 2020. National fasts were thought of again in 2020. Our nation's pastor called for a couple of fasts last year. And odds are a national fast will be declared again. The question is, who declared it? Trust that source, and we'll get to that. And how do you participate in that? In light of what we're learning about the freedom of prayer and the freedom of fasting, how do you participate in a national fast? So it's kind of like a question, another question, and it's kind of like a a preparatory course today. Kind of get this in our heads so the next time we join a national fast, should I? Why should I? Here's what I do to do it. Does that all make sense? So this is kind of our goal, and to study Joel and to read scripture. So it's all good. So verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord, Joel 1, 1, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. So he stood on who he is, a prophet. That's all we know about Joel. That's it. That is all we know. It's such a bummer. I love knowing things about people. Got nothing. He has no social media status at all. (laughs) There's nothing on Joel. And I've looked through all of my books, and I even went to other resources that I don't frequent online and looking up and seeing, what do you know about Joel? Nothing. We just know that he was who the Holy Spirit spoke of and referenced. That is so cool to me. So cool. So in Joel, you've got three poems. The first one, and it's a message, the first one here, he goes and he speaks to the elders in this message, in this poetic message. In verse 2, he calls the elders, and he says, hear this, you elders, and he declares words. And due to time, I'm going to just jump through. He gets in chapters 5, he says, awake, you drunkards, and weep, and he speaks directly to the drunkards, all the way down to verse 10. In verse 11, we see him talk to the farmers and the workers of the land, and he says, Be ashamed, O tillers of the soil. Weigh all, O vine dressers. And he speaks to them two verses worth. In verse 13, he speaks to the priests specifically, and he says, Put on sackcloth and lament, O priests. Weigh all, O ministers of the altar. Go and pass the night in sackcloth, O ministers of my God. The reason why is because grain offering and drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. What was happening in Judah at this point was mass destruction, locusts overtaking, destroying all of their lands, all of their grain, all of their oil, all of their wine. And the reason you'll see grain and oil and wine spilled out throughout this whole three books, is the specific is grain, oil, and wine, is because that is what you gave before your offerings, before the Lord in holy worship. And this nation at this point, we're told for years before this point, you are a nation full of sin, repent. You're a nation of sin, repent. Kind of like last week's depth, but on behalf of a whole nation, you're a nation of sin, repent. And this nation kept saying, no, no, no. Oh, here's my word. No, 
So the day of the Lord came. And when the day of the Lord came, their grain was wiped out, their wine was wiped out, their oil was wiped out. And you see in this passage that their gladness within them was wiped out. There was zero worship within them at all. And there were zero resources of them to portray their worship at all. It was a very empty place. You ever been to that place where you went to worship and you have nothing to give? You show up in church and worship is going and you're standing there and you're like, I hear the words. I hear the music. I've got nothing. I'm not angry. I'm not mad. I'm not sad. I'm not happy. I'm not joyful. I'm not got nothing. Have you ever been there? It's an empty place. This whole nation was there. They had no worship within them. And then they lost their very source of offering worship and offering to the king of kings. They had nothing. Empty, empty place. This is where they were. And Joel says to the priests, you specifically need to mourn because this affects you even more so. This is your provision. This is your position. Everything that you are called to do, you can't even do because your people, your nation has turned from me. It affects you financially. It affects your days. You have nothing to do at work. Why go to work? There's no offering. There's no worship. There's no sacrifice. Do you see the depth and the heartache that's going on? When Joel is talking to the priests, I'm just going to read this real quick and then we'll connect it some more in Joel 2. In verse 14, he says, consecrate a fast. Consecrate is to sanctify, to set aside a holy thing. Again, the fact that we're doing this conversation right after listening to Steve this last weekend, it all connects. This is not saying get a medical fast. This is not saying do a fad. This is saying consecrate a time of holiness. Ready, go. And it's different for everybody, isn't it? We all show up with that mindset of holiness, but how we get to that mindset of holiness might be a different struggle for each of us. It might be a different battle for each of us, a different journey for each of us. Some of us have to deal with mental issues, some emotional some past, some physical, some sin. But we have to do what we've got to do to consecrate, to set apart a holiness, a time of fasting. He says in verse 14, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. The last thing Joel talks to, the last person Joel talks to in chapter one is to the Lord specifically in verse 19. He says to you, O Lord, and I love that he is gathering and preaching to all the people in the middle of his preaching. He stops and prays. I love that. He says to you, O Lord, I call for fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. They are in the depths of it. The flame has burned all the trees of the field. Even the beasts of the field pant for you because the water brooks are all dried up and fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. You can feel the depth of the heartache in chapter one. Chapter two does not get any easier. Chapter two is the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord brings judgment upon a nation. You look at the day of the Lord in the Old Testament, it brings judgment upon a nation, a nation of disobedience. That's what it does. We'll also hear, and we're not going to do a big, deep theological study, but I just want to let you know, a lot of times in the New Testament and prophesy in the Old Testament, you see the phrase, the day of the Lord. 
this prophetic talking about the final day of the Lord, the return of Jesus Christ. At some points, it's literal at that moment, this nation is being judged by God for the sin that they've allowed inside their nation. And the judgment comes so that God can give them a blessing. It's kind of like a mom saying to your child, I'm going to spank you so that we can have the blessing of peace afterward. Is that the most simple way I can word the day of the Lord here? The day of the Lord is also prophetic when it comes to Jesus coming again. So there's, if you're curious, that's, that's the Jacqueline summation of the day of the Lord. So if you look at the first part of Joel 2, he's talking about the day of the Lord. That the locusts came to the Egyptians. The locusts come as judgment, and they're going to come again. This time they're going to come very frightening, as if it's an army of people coming at you. The description and the detail and the visuals that Joel gives, he's an amazing speaker. Absolutely amazing. Spend some time with that. He concludes, though, with a question in verse 11. In chapter 2, he says, For the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? And after you read the heartache of chapter 1 and the devastation at the beginning of chapter 2, you want to sit there and you want to say, I don't know. But I know that I don't want to. I don't want to go without my grain and my oil and my wine. I don't want to be at that place of emptiness where I don't even have resources to try to replenish the joy of worship within me. I don't want to get to that point. And you don't want to have horses come at your house like described in chapter two. Chapter two is little on the frightening side. Who can endure it? The verse 13, however, turns all of this devastation upside down. And he gives us an answer and he gives us a plan and he gives us a purpose and he gives us everything. It kind of just answers our questions and prepares us today for if that day ever comes. Fantastic. Chapter 2, verse 12. And let yourself think of scripture. If scripture comes to mind, write that reference down and connect that. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you specifically on something he wants you to remember, to focus on. Yet even now, declares the Lord. Joel's talking and talking and talking. And then he says, the Lord is declaring right now, who can endure it? Let me give you something. Let me give you a peek into the window, even right now, as if he's saying today, today is the day of salvation. Exhort one another today. He says, even right now, return to me with what? All your heart. All your prayers, all your supplications, return to God with all your heart. How can I endure this level of heaviness? Return to me, but I've got nothing to do. I don't know how to do that. Good. Joel keeps talking and tells you how to do that. How do I return to God with all my heart with fasting? Literally get on your knees. If you have a word or if you don't have any words, spend time in fasting with God. With weeping. I don't think we need to explain that one. And with mourning, I don't want to give you all the verses that came to me because I don't want you to have Jacqueline's time with the Lord. I want you to have your time with the Lord. But this one I do want to share with mourning. Matthew 5, 4, with the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn over their sin. Because when you do, you will be comforted. I need to return to the Lord. And this is, it's beautiful how God set up last week's lesson. And I was like, God, you got that lesson out of place. Huh? 
Clearly, clearly he did not. Because if we can talk about our individual sin, that'll help our nation not deal with national sin because a nation is filled with individuals. So if we as individuals take care of our individual sin, then we as a nation are holy before thy Lord. We've got to do our part. Kind of as if our individual sin affects our nation. Get your sin right. I'm sorry the last two weeks have not been filled with laughter. I truly apologize. They've been very heavy lessons. But how do we talk about prayer and fasting without this? So thank you for coming. <laughs> thank you for coming. Verse 13. He says, rend your hearts and not your garments. How do I return to the Lord internally, not externally? It has nothing to do with the display that you put on your sackcloth and ashes. He told the priest to put on the sackcloth and ashes. You need to do this. But you want to return to the Lord? Don't worry about this. It's here. You have to come to me. Come to me inside. Don't worry about anything else. Anything else, well, that comes second. Right now it's this. Give me this. And then Moses is quoted, or God is quoted from Exodus, written by Moses. He says, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious. Do you need that word today? Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful. Return to the Lord your God, for he is slow to anger. Do you need that today? Return to the Lord your God, for he is abounding and steadfast love. Is scripture going through your head? And if it is, write it down. If you don't know the reference and you just have the idea, write that down. Because there's a girlfriend in here that can help you find that reference. And you can grow in your, your scripture study that way. The last thing he says about the Lord is that he relents over disaster. God hates disaster. Even national disaster, God hates it. So we fast as a nation, but it says this, verse 14. I can't skip over 14 before we talk about fasting as a nation. Verse 14, Joel says something very, very powerful. He says, return to the Lord. This is why, this is how, this is who you're going to. And then he says, who knows whether he will not turn and relent? Who knows if he'll leave a blessing behind him? Who knows if a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God will be available? Who knows what the outcome is going to be? It's not about the outcome. It's about this. Isn't that beautiful? We have a nation that could be facing something full of heartache. Let us not focus on the nation and the heartache that may be coming or that you that is. Let us focus on this. Can we do that? When you participate, when you join in with the national fast, let your outcome not be, oh God, fix our nation because our nation, A, B, C, D, X, Y, Z, double A. <laughs> <laughs> let it not be about what we need God to do specifically for our nation. Let it be about this. God, I trust who you are. And that's my national fast. It's not about me witnessing with my own eyes the outcome that I want you to do. It's about the fact that I know who you are and that you're capable of doing whatever you want to do. Does that make sense? Verse 15, there's some specifics. 
verse 15, he says, blow the trumpet in Zion. And he's still speaking to the elders, to the priests. So this is just little advice. Be careful. The trumpet needs to be blown to declare a fast is coming. Somebody is going to declare the fast. This happens. We see this in Esther, right? We see this throughout the Bible. There's different fasts that were declared. Know who declares that fast. Will you know it? There have been some that have been declared on YouTube over the past couple of years. Pray for discernment. Sometimes there's some that are pretty obvious, like, oh, I'm going to see this face on YouTube. And you're like, oh, I'm going to keep on scrolling. Not in judgment, but in wisdom, that's wisdom. But there are some that are hidden in sheep's clothing and are saying the day of the Lord and they prophesy and they declare and they claim. And it's so convincing and it's so scriptural, but there is nothing spoken about the name of Jesus Christ. If somebody declares a fast and they do not say there's an opportunity right now to receive Jesus as your savior, will you do yourself a favor and walk away? Is that fair for me to say? Be very, very clear. If somebody is declaring something religiously or spiritually and there's no indication of Jesus Christ, seek wisdom on that one. If the purpose is to unite together on behalf of your nation, on behalf of returning to Jesus Christ as a nation, jump in and do your part. There's the difference. Be careful who you follow into a national fast. Blow the trumpet in Zion, verse 15 says, consecrate a fast, set apart, sanctify a holiness, call a solemn assembly, gather the people. You don't do a national fast by yourself. Fast by yourself. By all means, if God has laid on your heart to have a fast over your nation, fast over your nation. Do that. But if we're doing a national fast and we're joining in as a sisterhood with, our, with the brothers, with the sisters, gather together. Don't do that alone. You guys putting yourself kind of in danger. You're battling a nation's sin by yourself. Do you really want to do that? We've been battling our personal sin in fasting, and we're seeing how hard that is. Don't take on the nation, not the sin of the nation by yourself. Is that fair? It's kind of sister help gather together. And it says this, and this is interesting for us moms and grandmas specifically. He says, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. So this is more important than even a honeymoon. That says a lot. (laughs) This passage has been twisted sometimes. And if this has been twisted in your life, I'm sorry. Sometimes there's religious fasts that are declared and the children get hurt by it. Because this says, gather your children, gather your your nursing infants, and don't eat for 24 hours. So you've got your little children, and you're saying to your little children, come in, we're going to do a a fast. And there's no explanation. So they're taking out this verse and says, gather your children and gather your young ones and get your elderly people together and let's do this. But the problem with the religious aspect of it is there's no explanation. They forget to talk about the first part of returning to the Lord. If you're going to bring your children into your time of fasting, explain to them the Lord. Does that make sense? If you're going to put on your children here, come on, we're going to have a fast today. Well, why? Well, because the Bible says so. Well, why? Well, because we need to. Well, why? Do it. What good are you doing to your child? How are you teaching your child 
the purpose of a fast? How are you explaining to them that the Lord is real, that God is big and you can go to God about all your heart, all your prayers are your supplications. Bring in our children into the fasting and explain to them what you've learned. That's amazing. That's what we get to do as parents, as grandparents. We go on through the rest of chapter two. It continues on to chapter three. Verse 19 is a beautiful promise that God gives to them. He sends to them grain. He sends to them wine and he sends to them oil. He supplies the three sources of their worship. Nothing was talked about in prayer from chapter two. Nothing was about the locusts. Do you notice that? When it talks about the prayer, when it talks about the answer to prayer, it's nothing to do with the nation. It's nothing to do with the locusts. It's everything to do with their worship. Fascinating. Kind of makes you want to sit and think about that, doesn't it? The result of fasting is rarely about the outcome. It's always about the outcome. It's about your worship before your God. He will supply what you need to worship him. It's not about the locusts. Isn't that amazing? We already talked about verse 28 and 29. We saw the, the prophecy fulfilled. We're going to finish with this. And there's so much, but it's 1056. So we're going to do this and we can do um, conversation later. If we're doing question and answer last, next week, there may be a couple questions from this. Jot down your questions and we can talk about it more next week. But I do want to end with this one bit. Verse 30, after the Holy Spirit is prophesied in chapter 2, verse 30, Joel continues and he says, And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. You can note Matthew 24, 29, Jesus himself says these words. But then verse 32 is said, and this verse is somewhere else in scripture only once. And most of our study Bibles will refer that verse back to Joel. But Jesus is mentioned in this. Who can endure the day of the Lord? this right here, verse 32. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's all about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are free. You're free. But my nation's still falling apart. I know that you know what you can do? You can pray, you can fast, you can educate your children, you can grow your children in prayer and fasting. You can tell your child, do you know Jesus loves you? Do you know Jesus died on the cross and Jesus rose again? Do you know? Do you know that since you receive Christ as your savior, you have the right to take everything before the throne? You have that right, you have that privilege, you can do that, like we could do it together. You can say that to your child. You can be like my grandmother and say that to your grandchild. You could be that person. It's a beautiful thing when you grow the name of Jesus in somebody else, especially after the name of Jesus has been grown in you. Because when you grow it in somebody else, it just fruits itself even more within yourself. It's a beautiful cycle. Absolutely beautiful what God can do. Romans 10, 13 is your verse right there. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's the promise of the Bible. 
It's Jesus. Jesus is always the answer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for being the answer. Thank you for giving us the answer through your Son. And I thank you for walking with us with the answer through your Holy Spirit. Everything that we need, you've given to us. You've given us words to fill us through your scripture. You give us words through your spirit when we need them the most. Then you give us your ears so we can express our words. It's absolutely amazing what you do for us every day, all the time. I pray that you'll help us in our study today. It was a little different. I feel like today was different, but I pray that you'll use what, what we saw in Joel and grow us where we need to be grown individually as a group of girlfriends and on behalf of our nation. Lord, there are prayers in our hearts right now for our nation. I pray that you'll hear those prayers. And I pray that you'll help us as we pray for our nation to pray wholeheartedly for our nation without the goal of an outcome that we're desiring, but with the goal of bringing our nation to you so that they will know Jesus Christ as their savior. From the head of our nation, to the head of our state, to the head of our cities, to the head of our home. Heavenly Father, we pray the name of Jesus Christ. We pray salvation within every single one of those hearts. Lord Jesus, I pray your hand, that your blood, that your resurrection will fall upon our nation. This is what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on Telegram at WI Online. 